From down under to down south, follow the adventures of an Australian family who packed up and moved to the other side of the world to follow a dream of making a life in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Ozzy Mike, and together with Bicky, Bowie, and Bree Bree, we will share our daily craziness in an attempt to warn you or inspire you to make this transcontinental move. It's a big good day and welcome to another episode of Down Under to Down South. Aussie Mike in the chair and this week we'll be comparing food safety standards in the US and Australia. Take a look at the various agricultural industries. We'll talk about meat and I'll explain why American coffee is so bad. We'll take a look at different names for food in both countries and I'll also let you know how those of you in Australia could win a chest freezer full of beef for Christmas from our friends at farmertofridge.com.au valued at around $700. All that and more, so stick around. Now, I've been coming to America for probably around 20 years before we moved here over five years ago. And one of the first things that we used to do when we would arrive in the States is, you know, we'd go out, we'd have breakfast, then a Cracker Barrel, go and have some American breakfast, you know, with some pancakes some waffles and things like that. We'd have dinner at Chili's, usually have like a fajita or something like that. Our diet really consisted of fast food. And there is a very strong fast food culture in America. So looking at food today, I thought, first of all, we could have a look at what we call in the States Mickey D's or, of course, back home, it's Macca's. And that's, of course, McDonald's. Now, Australia is one of the largest beef exporters in the world, and it's gained a very strong global reputation as having delicious, tasty, and full of flavor meat. So with access to premium ingredients like that, it's kind of natural that the Big Macs and cheeseburgers back home are going to taste far superior to anything that you get in America. But the other thing that makes the flavor of the burgers different is that bread in America is so much sweeter than what we eat in Australia. All of that is because of the added sugar, which I really can't understand myself. You know, you'll find that also when you're eating toast and just having a sandwich here that the bread is very, very sweet. You really need to go out and buy sourdough bread or something like that. Otherwise, it's kind of unpalatable to a point. It's also no secret that McDonald's adapts its menu to suit local interests and flavors, which means that there is a lot to choose from in Australia. So a lot of exclusives on the McDonald's menu that we don't even get in the States. The rest of the world just tends to miss out on it. You know, we've got spicy chicken clubhouses with bacon and chicken and caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and a combination of spicy sauce and Big Mac sauce. There's also the classic Angus range, which I've never seen in the States, using Australian Angus beef and the McOz, which obviously would be an Australian thing. The other thing that Australia is very proud about is that the first McCafe was conceptualized and launched in Melbourne in 1993. Now, we have McCafe in the States, but it is a lot smaller. It is not its own separate part of the McDonald's restaurant. It doesn't have the same choices as what we have in Australia. Customer service is the other big difference that I find with McDonald's in the States compared to back home. Generally, when you're in Australia, you go into a McDonald's, you're greeted by smiling, happy people, including my niece who works at McDonald's in Perth. So customer service. Now, I wonder whether it is because there's such a high tipping culture in America and you don't tip at McDonald's. People tend to really act like they don't want to be there. They're paid minimum wage and it's not a very happy environment. Coffee is another big thing as well. So when we look at McCafe, so we'd open up in 1993 in Melbourne and it really has been exported around to the world. And it's one of the major highlights of Macca's back home. It's its own separate cafe within the restaurant. It's got a couple of baristas that work there. They've got their own space. It's an extensive menu as well. And um, it is just that very different McDonald's experience. It serves coffee, such as espresso, chai lattes, piccolo, macchiato, and of course the Australian favorite, the flat white. You can also get a latte there too, which I love myself. So the coffee at Macca's is just as expensive as going to Starbucks over here, but it has a much higher quality taste to match the prices. The menu, as I said, is very different to anything else that you'll see in the States. And you've got things such as pastries, cinnamon raisin toast, donuts, cheesecake, cupcakes, scones with jam, macaroons, hot cross buns and toasties. It's all of those things that you really would not 
put together with McDonald's. While we're talking about fast food, I've got to mention KFC because KFC back home was one of my favorite things to go and eat. Whereas in the States, it's only now after five years, I think my taste buds have adjusted to the taste of American chicken and the taste of American food that I can actually go and buy a KFC. Before I moved here, you know, I remember going to a KFC actually just down the road from Graceland in Memphis. And before we went and paid homage to the king, I figured, hey, let's go and get some KFC and eat. No, it tasted like crap, to put it bluntly. It was oily. It was greasy. It had no flavor. So again, comparisons between these American brands that are in Australia, the food back home just tastes so much better. So you have to ask yourself the question, why is that? Why, given that America is one of the largest countries in the world, you know, it's famous for so many different things, why is the food quality in the US so much different to what it is on the other side of the Pacific? And really a lot of that, we have to go and have a look at food safety. So countries obviously interpret food safety precautions to prevent the production of unsafe foods differently. This fact is affected by factors including the lifestyle of a country's residents, history of outbreaks, most commonly present food safety safety hazards, the vulnerability of consumers, and tradition. Regulatory agencies and health departments gather information and base food safety laws on all of these factors in addition to research and scientific advice. A good example of the difference between the U.S. and Australian federal programs is that Australian food laws have a stricter approach toward food additive ingredients and chemical substances that are suspected of having carcinogenic effects on humans. In the U.S., the use of the common food additive potassium bromate, KBR03, which is added to American-made bread products to make the dough rise higher and turn stark white, is still an acceptable practice. On the other hand, this ingredient is considered a food safety concern that has adverse effects on human health and is banned through food safety efforts in Australia, all across Europe and Canada as well. Now, through extensive research, it's been found that potassium bromate can be a leading cause of various cancers, along with thyroid disease, kidney damage, gut irritation, and reproductive abnormalities. In 1999, the IARC, or International Agency for Research on Cancer, categorized potassium bromate as possibly carcinogenic to humans, and yet this ingredient is still used across the U.S. So as is the case with many foods in America, it is full of chemical flavorings, additives, colorings, and other ingredients that you really shouldn't be putting into your body. So let's take a look at a list of some of these banned ingredients or ingredients that are banned in other countries that are still readily accessible and used in food across the US. This is probably going to scare you a little bit if you're living in the States. So obviously we talked about dough conditioners such as potassium bromate. Another one is brominated vegetable oil or BVO. So BVOs have been banned in Japan and it's been seen as very dangerous. They were originally painted by chemical companies as a flame retardant, but now BVOs can be found in certain colorful sports drinks and citrus-flavored sodas as an emulsifier. Studies have shown that it isn't harmless. It actually accumulates in human tissue as well as breast milk and can cause memory loss over time. It can lead to skin rashes, appetite loss, and heart problems as well as major organ damage and birth defects. The next one that we'll take a look at is propylparaben, which in America it's used as a preservative in tortillas, muffins, and trail mix. Now, propylparaben research has found that it can affect sex hormones and sperm counts in young rats. Research has also indicated that exposure to parabens may be linked to breast cancer. Propylparaben is totally legal in the US, but in 2006, across Europe, the Food Safety Authority banned the use of propylparaben in food. 
Another one that we have are BHA and BHT. They're popular man-made antioxidants which are used in dry mixes, cereals, and dehydrated potato products to preserve them and increase shelf life. They're also found in product packaging of all things. These are possible carcinogens and endocrine disruptors, meaning that they can alter the normal function of your hormones and lead to disease. BHA and BHT are banned for use in food and beverages by most countries in the world, except for the United States. One that gets talked about a lot, particularly with parents, food manufacturers use synthetic food dyes such as Blue 2, Yellow 5, and Red 40 to enhance the coloring of certain foods and ingredients to make them more appealing to consumers. So some foods that contain food dyes include beverages like juices, sports drinks and sodas, candy and glazes used in baked goods and sweets. They're even using things like making mustard more yellow or salmon more pink jars of pickles making them that perfect yellow green and then of course maraschino cherries imagine what they do with that red coloring in there research has linked consumption of synthetic dyes to an increased risk for numerous conditions like tumors and hyperactivity in children synthetic food dyes are banned in europe and of course australia as well where more natural coloring compounds are used to give you an example in most of the world the drink fanta contains actual fruit juice and is dyed naturally but in america Fanta is colored with petroleum-derived artificial dyes like Red 40 and Yellow Sea. The list of these items just goes on and on, but the last one I did want to mention was GMOs, or genetically modified organisms. And they've been around since the 1980s, but they really have become a very controversial topic, and for good reason. While in the US, they're very widespread, with most US soy, sugar beets, corn, canola, cotton, and alfalfa being GMO crops, many European countries, and Australia as well, have either banned or regulated them due to public safety concerns. One common genetic manipulation involves altering DNA in certain crops to make them resistant to herbicides. One of the most common herbicides used in conjunction with these GMOs is glyphosate, the primary active ingredient in the weed killer Roundup. Glyphosate consumption is linked to cancer. In fact, several people have won cases that allege that that ingredient caused their cancer. Bayer, which is the manufacturer of Roundup, is currently fighting cancer lawsuits that involve over 13,000 people. And as of June 2019, there are bans and major restrictions on the use of this ingredient in Australia, Belgium, Brazil, Canada, New Zealand, the list goes on. This ingredient is still legal to use in the US. American eggs are another thing that's very different to Australia and in fact all the way across the world. They are seen as an inferior product because of the way that they're processed which results in a paler yolk color. It's not the case with Australian eggs and you know when you crack an egg back home you get that nice golden orangey colored yolk. In the States it's kind of like a watery very pale yellow color so quite different again. And the other big one is chocolate. Now there are huge differences in chocolate between Cadbury's which is a British chocolate company and Hershey's which is here in the US. To make things a little bit more complicated, though, even though Cadbury's is sold in the US, it's a slightly different ingredient list to the one that you would buy in the UK or Australia. Generally, British chocolate is smoother, richer, and creamier due to a higher fat and cocoa content. American chocolate has higher sugar levels. The last one to talk about would be bacon. And looking at bacon found in America, oh my lord, it is so different to what you get back home. It is thinner, and it's actually thin sliced strips of pork belly. Whereas in Australia, what we mainly eat is the middle bacon, which comes from the side of the animal, the other side of the animal. It's a leaner cut, but it tastes great, if not better, than what you get in America. 
Farmer to Fridge was started in June of 2023 and it's a movement that lets farmers sell in a way that works with the natural flows of farming and they also set their own prices. They're open to farms of any size so whether farmers have got one sheep or 10,000 both of them are equally welcome. And by helping connect farmers and customers in a more direct way and supporting the smaller local supply chains they are bringing more buyers into the market ultimately helping farmers get a fair price for their work. So what does that mean for you? Someone that just wants to go out there buy and eat some great meat well hey it's a bonus because locally farmed low stress meat also happens to taste better as well Farmer to Fridge, also known as Half a Cow, which I love that name, Half a Cow, such an Aussie name. It started as a simple website idea to help a local farmer sell beef, and it really has gained national attention in Australia. They've been featured on the ABC and on Channel 7, and their goal is to bring back the small-scale supply chains, helping local people buy local meat in a way that is simple for farmers to access. Half a Cow is ultimately disrupting the existing meat industry by giving farmers the power to sell their cattle direct, and this allows them to retain the value of their hard work and results in a more ethical and sustainable product for the consumer. So head on over to farmertofridge.com.au and when you get over there, you're going to see that they have the competition in order to win a chest freezer full of beef for Christmas. Basically, all you have to do, just follow the link that's at the top of the page, enter in your details, your email address, your name, etc., your address, and you could win approximately 20 kilos of beef valued at around $700 just in time for Christmas. Now, I can't think of anything better than that, and I do wish that they would ship it over to me in the US because I really miss that Aussie beef. So head on over to farmandafridge.com.au. While you're there, you'll see they've got some really interesting cooking guides as well. They go into detail on the different cuts of meat that you have, pork, lamb, and beef. Uh, They talk about freezer space, what you'll actually get when you're buying a side of lamb or a side of pork, etc. So some great tips on there to go and have a look at. farmandafridge.com.au. Now, one of the major differences between beef in Australia and beef in the U.S. is that generally in Australia, beef is grass-fed, whereas in the States, it's often grain-fed. That also means that Australian beef is lower in calories and fat and higher in protein and other essential nutrients. It also means that Australian beef has a distinctly rich, beefy flavor that many people prefer. Both countries have a long history of cattle farming and beef production, and both have a reputation of producing high-quality, delicious beef. Personally, I'm on the fence. I mean, I love a steak back home in Australia. I love a steak here as well in the US. I think there is certainly a difference in flavor. Both have their own unique qualities. I mean, there's more fat content in American steaks than what there is in Australian. I'll I'll eat them both on any day. One thing that I will refuse to eat is American lamb. Fortunately, we can buy Australian and New Zealand lamb in local supermarkets here. Select supermarkets. You can't get them from Walmart or Kroger, but Whole Foods has it. Publix has it. And actually, Costco as well has a really great range of Australian lamb. I've also tried lamb from Chile. So I bought a leg of lamb from Chile, and that was really comparable to Australian lamb as well. So again, I think it comes down to the grain-fed versus the grass-fed. But American lamb, I found almost overpowering in flavor in comparison to that sweetness from Australian lamb. So let's take a look now at one of Australian expats in America's favorite topics of conversation, and that is coffee in America. So despite the fact that we have Starbucks or an equivalent on every corner in every town, finding a truly tasty coffee in the U.S. can be a real challenge. It's just become a bit of a running joke for coffee lovers when visiting here as to just how bad it can be. One of the reasons for the lower quality of coffee here is due to the sourcing and processing methods. So many American coffee companies prioritize price over quality, which can lead to the use of cheaper, lower grade beans or lower quality processing methods. This then affects the flavor and overall experience of the coffee. 
Another factor contributing to lower quality coffee is the US is the prevalence of Robusta beans. Now in Australia, we typically use Arabica beans and across Europe as well, and they are generally considered to be a higher quality in terms of flavor and aroma. Robusta beans are more pest resistant and yield a higher crop output. As a result, Robusta beans are often cheaper to produce and are widely used in mass produced coffee products. So why it's better than its American counterpart? You know, let, let's look at Australian coffee. And really, it's among the best in the world. And in many ways, it's all thanks to the Italian immigrants. During the Second World War, they brought their coffee machines to Australia and they fostered a love of espresso. Compared to the US, where coffee is usually brewed and on the bitter side, Australian coffee is much smoother, lighter and more caramel. Australians also opt for milk or milk alternatives instead of creamer. And that's something that I could never get used to working in an office in the US, which supplied coffee. They would supply coffee and creamer. There was no milk. And this creamer is in these little cups. You open it up, put it in there. Completely affects the flavor. The other thing that Americans love to do is to put flavored creamer in there. So whether that be vanilla or pumpkin. And, you know, right now it's it's autumn here and coming into winter. And so pumpkin spice lattes are all the, all the flavor right now as well. There is a developing coffee culture, I will admit, though, in America. And it really is being led by Australians because... Just face it, back home, cafe culture is huge, with places always seeking to one-up each other on trending food ideas or aesthetic backgrounds for influencers to take pictures. It's a massive business that thrives on fresh ingredients and creating a welcoming environment for Australians just to basically sit down, enjoy their meal, sit down and have a talk. You know, We have that European influence. They have a European influence in the US as well, but the coffee culture is really something that's only just growing. Australian-style cafes are popping up across the US, and they are doing great business. In fact, here in Nashville, I can think of three or four offhand Australian-owned and operated cafes where they're serving great coffee, imported coffee. They're even making sausage rolls and meat pies. So it's on the go in America. So don't give up hope. If you've been here, you're disillusioned with the coffee culture here. It's coming, believe me. And finally, on today's episode, we're going to start to teach you how to talk American. Or for those of you listening in the US, we're going to teach you how to talk Australian. And let's have a look at some words as far as food is concerned, where there's some differences in Australia and the US. Capsicum is called bell peppers in the US. Coriander, well, that is cilantro. Now, mince, if you go in to try and buy some beef mince, it's actually called ground meat. Kind of makes sense. Prawns in Australia is shrimp in the US. And no, my American listeners, we do not throw shrimps on the barbie in Australia. We actually cook prawns instead. Now, this one was a different one. So rock melon is actually called cantaloupe in America. Cordial, if you try looking for cordial, it's actually Kool-Aid. Soft drink, we call soda pop or soda pop over here. Now, in the South, you're going to ask for a Coke. That doesn't mean that you want a Coke, it just means you want a soft drink and then you want a Coke and then they're going to say, well, what type of Coke? I want like I want like a Sprite or I want a fan or I want a Coke. That's called Coke. Alcohol is more commonly referred to as liquor. So typically you're going to go down to the liquor store rather than go into the bottle shop or the bottle open. Corn flour is called cornstarch. Cutlery is flatware. I don't know how that goes with spoons, which are kind of rounded, but anyway, it's flatware. Fairy floss is called cotton candy. Then we come to milk, and there's all these different types of milk that we have over here. So full cream milk is called whole milk. There's also half and half. There's 2%. Plain flour is all-purpose flour. Now, if you're at work and you're going to go and have morning tea or a smoko, they won't know what you're talking about. It's called a coffee break or a tea break. Spring onions or shallots, they're called scallions. And my last one, if you're going to go down to the local fish and chip shop, if you can find one, and you want to get some takeaway, they won't know what you're talking about. It's called takeout or it's to-go. So you want to get a to-go box if you're finishing up at a restaurant and you want to take a doggy bag away. Yes, doggy bags are still a thing here in America and to-go boxes are very, very popular. 
And that, my friends, brings us to the end of another episode of Down Under to Down South. A reminder again to go and head over to farmertofridge.com.au. Make sure you get in there to win that chest freezer full of beef. If you win, let me know. Hey, send me a steak in the mail. I don't know what it'll be like when it gets to the States. American Postal Service is a little bit slow right now. But anyways, you guys stay safe, and we'll catch you next time on Down Under to Down South.